What an amazing story of generosity, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so, in fact, if you have your Bibles, if you want to go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6, we can celebrate God's Word together by reading together from there. But we are in a series called Timeless Truths in Trying Times. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever been the recipient of an act of generosity or a random act of kindness? Anybody ever had something? Yeah, yeah. It feels good to, to have someone that wants to do something for you, especially when it's one of those completely out of the blue, crazy things. I don't know why he acted so surprised that they gave him $10,000. That kind of stuff happens to me all the time. All right, does it happen to you too? Yeah, not really. Uh, but man, what an amazing thing when you have someone who does something for you that's completely out of the blue and that is just for the total blessing that God wanted them to do something for you and to be generous towards you. But here's what else I've found. It's not also, it's not only the things that people do for other, right, now several of y'all are crying in the audience. Y'all have to stop that or we're not ever going to make it through this whole thing today because, uh, wow, um, that story is really touching. Um, but here's what I would simply say. For a lot of us, w- one of the things we need to learn and understand is that there's a blessing as well, not just to receive, but also to be on the giving side of things. And that when we learn to be generous in different ways, whether that's with our time or our talents or our treasures, that we would look at things and just say, you know, God has given me a blessing in being able to give and to generously support other people. In fact, for me, a lot of the time, I mean, I love to receive things. Christmas is coming up. Who doesn't like to get presents, right? I love to receive things, but I get as much or more joy most of the time out of giving and seeing somebody else receive something that I did for them. And it just feels good to do that. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He was quoted in Acts. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so there's a blessing that we find when we learn to become generous people. Now, we've been going through this teaching series in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. And the series that we've called is Timeless Truths and Trying Times. And what we've tried to look at as we've gone through the series is how Jesus does things and says things and instructs us in things that goes against what a lot of culturally accepted principles might normally be. And so it's no different in this sense. Last week we talked about prayer and we talked about fasting. And one of the things that Jesus said in the middle of those, uh, those disciplines of the Christian life was that when you practice these things, when you pray, go into a quiet place, close the door behind you, let what you do in prayer be seen by your Father. Don't do it in the street corners, don't do it in the synagogue and make a public spectacle of it, but just simply let your Father see what you do that's in private and He'll reward you for that. And when you fast, don't make a big to-do about it. Don't, you know, last week we talked about how the, the Jewish people in this current, or in the first century culture would throw ash on their heads and they would walk around almost like they were mourning as they would, they would fast. And it was a way to show people and symbolize to people that they were mourning. And Jesus says, listen, don't do that. Just put oil on your hair, take a shower, present yourself nicely, and what your Father knows you're doing in secret, He'll reward. And now, Jesus, today, we're going to backtrack just a little bit because we jumped ahead in the Sermon on the Mount. But today, we're going to look at what Jesus says about our practicing acts of generosity toward others. And guess what? It's pretty much the same thing. And so let's read this. Listen to what he says. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will 
rewards you. Now, why do you think Jesus talks about acts of generosity and says you need to do this as a private way of supporting things or give in ways that, that aren't heralded with trumpets and made proclamations in the street corners? Why does he talk about that in that way? Here's what I think. I believe that it's just like the prayer and fasting. I think that we can do the right things with the wrong motives and the wrong hearts. I think we can pray and want to be seen and get the blessing from other people. We go, oh, what an amazing prayer that person is. Or we can fast and people can say, wow, what spiritual discipline that person has. Look at how awesome they are. And Jesus says, you've gotten your reward when other people notice that you're doing these spiritual things because they've awarded you. But when it comes to giving, he says, listen, don't do it like the, the, the people in the synagogue. Don't shout trumpets and don't give out publicly. Just do it in secret. And then when you keep that knowledge from your left hand of what your right hand is doing, your father knows. Your father sees what you do in secret and he rewards that. And so I think Jesus understood that the problem with our sinful heart is that we can do the right thing but with the wrong motives, that we can be drawn to give publicly so that we do get applause from people, that we want people to notice our generosity, that we want to be seen in that light. And so Jesus says the best way to guard your heart from wanting to be seen publicly for what you do is to do it privately. Give, be generous, but do it in secret. And your Father who knows, your Father who sees, He'll reward you. Where the applause of men will come in and you'll feel all excited about having people recognize your contributions and recognize your generosity, that will fade. But Jesus says, when you do it the way that I'm instructing you, your Father will see and He'll reward you. And so this morning, we want to talk about generosity from that standpoint. I actually like how the message translation of the Bible says this. The message says it this way. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone's watching. You're playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That's the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. So in a world where so many people would take advantage of the opportunity to do things publicly and to be generous publicly and to make announcements about that and to announce on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and CNN or wherever you have platforms for, uh, to say, here's what I've done, here's how I've given, here's my motives behind this. Jesus says they've gotten the applause from men that they wanted. But that's not what's important. It's important for you to do things the way that I instruct, to do it quietly. So here's the timeless truth. For those of us trying to live differently, for a timeless truth in these trying times, how do I be generous the way that God instructs? Here's what I would simply say. A humble spirit and a quiet mouth results in the type of generosity that God rewards. So when you think about your life as someone who God is calling to be generous in some way, do you do that with the right spirit, with a humble spirit? Do you do it with a quiet mouth? To just give and to follow the obedience of the Holy Spirit? Or do you want the applause of people when you do something nice, when you do something that's generous. So this morning, I've invited a couple to come and share with us a little bit 
I'm going to ask Tim and Claire Upshaw to come and share with us. Tim and Claire, I've asked specifically to do this because they are two incredibly generous people. And they, um, I had all these nice things written about them that I was going to say in introducing them. And when I sent it to them and said, what do you guys think about this? They say, don't you dare say those kinds of things about us. So basically, these are two of the meanest, nastiest people you've ever met in your entire life. Uh, they're stingy folks. And uh, uh, But honestly, Tim and Claire are engaged in an organization called Generous Giving, and, uh, and they have displayed in this same way that Jesus talks about. They would never want me to share with you things that, that I know they do behind the scenes uh, that I see in their life, but, uh, but in their generosity, they've learned to do it in a way that honors and represents God. And so I've asked them to come this morning and share with us a little bit about their ministry that they're engaged in, but also to talk some about just generosity. So let me ask you guys this question. Thank you for taking the time to, to talk with us this morning. Um, but what's at the heart of generosity. When you think about generosity, what's at the, the deepest heart level of generosity? Um, honestly, one of the things um, that I have had to realize about my heart, uh, you know, we all have blind spots. I don't know how many of you have been through um, a situation where your grandparents died or your parents died, and all of a sudden there's all this stuff that has sentiment of value and it's been in the family. And I realized I am capable of being greedy. You know, whether I acted on it or not, it was in there. But, like, there was stuff I wanted, <laughs> and I wanted it bad, you know. And it was pretty shocking to me, really. But I, I heard somebody say once that the cure for greed is, is generosity. So if, if, if there's a possibility that you have greed in your heart, you know, one way to find out is, is to start being generous and, and uh, see how hard that is or how easy that is for you. Another thing that I've just recently... Um, I'm the kind of person who's real black and white and real have a real strong sense of justice and rightness. And um, I've done a lot of what I've done in my life because it was the right thing to do because it was what I should do. And recently I've been challenged to do more, um, not because I should do it, but because I want to do it. You know, God has been so generous to me. You know, it's like, um, and it, that takes giving. You know, God, God loves a cheerful giver. When we do what we do because we want to do it. And sometimes it's just changing that word in our mind, you know, of thinking, oh, gosh, I should take food to somebody. It's saying, oh, wait, stop. I want to take food to this person. You know, this is something I want to do. And just that simple changing the word in my mind and of realizing, you know, this is, is something that I want to do because, you know, God has been so generous to me and, and so many other people have been so generous to me. Well, the only thing that I might add to that is just, kind of a, a bit of a personal situation that I feel like God's been doing in me uh, for the past period of time. You know, there, there's a lot of Scripture that does talk about money, and there's Scripture that talks about the rich. There's like the rich man in Lazarus. There's the rich fool. There's, uh, I think in First Timothy 6, Paul tells Timothy to command the rich not to be arrogant or conceited, but to put your hope in God and to be rich in doing good works. And... I always kind of like to read those scripture because I really thought, you know, what those rich people really need to know this stuff because they need to be acting on that. You know, those CEO types, the uh, professional sport players, the big league sports players types, the major media and music stars, those type people, you know. And then I came across something, uh, you know, I don't know how long ago it's been, but it's uh, called the Global Rich List. And you can get on the Internet if you haven't done it. It's globalrichlist.com. And there's, uh, you can put in different salaries and see where in the percent of the world you are or whatever salary it is that you want to be. And 
one thing I learned by doing that, you can uh, you're in the top one percent of the world in terms of income if you make about thirty two thousand dollars a year. So, you know, chances are we got some one percenters in the room here. And that, that did a few things to me. One was, you know, I thought, well, that's great. Not, we're not doing too bad, I guess. But then the, the next thing, you know, certainly be thankful because I know that's not just my effort. It's part of where I got to live, grow up, the opportunities that I've had. But then finally, and I guess the, the big thing was that it made me realize those verses for the rich that I thought were all for the CEOs and those people, that they weren't. They were for me, too. And I had to start asking who are the Lazaruses that God's bringing across my path, either face-to-face or, uh, you know, through worldwide communications uh, on the other side of the world? Was I being the rich fool? Was I uh, just trying to consider how much I had, what my net worth was, and all that kind of thing? Was I being conceited or arrogant, or was I being rich in good works? And so God has used, is using still... Uh, those concepts to try to pry my greedy fingers off stuff to make more available for kingdom purposes. Yeah. Awesome. What are what are some ways people can be generous? Is this all through finances? What are when you think about generosity, how are ways you can encourage people to be generous? I know one thing that I like both of us like about being around here is that you can look out and observe and see acts of generosity happening. And that's uh, that's quite neat. Uh, you, you can see people that will give up uh, vacation time and money to go visit. I mean, to go minister to less fortunate in a foreign place. Uh, you can see folks doing that here with the family promise. Uh, you can see people that have given their career, if you will, to minister to high school students to bring them to Christ. Uh, you can see folks that come here and cook for the 200 meals or so a week that, that provide a food that people wouldn't have otherwise if they weren't doing that. And there's some things, uh, at least one thing, that we most of us probably don't observe that I think is also a real act of generosity. There's a group of guys that come in about 6 or 6.30 in the morning many times a year that meet, that pray, that uh, make decisions so the rest of us have a church to come to. And I'm talking about the Board of Elders, so the amount of Hours, the many hours they give is an act of generosity. Um, I know, Tim, and I, um, a lot of times you do think about money, but, you know, it's kind of a point of emphasis for us of trying to become generous in other ways, too. You know, you can, you could be someone who didn't literally had, didn't have a penny to your name, and you could still be an incredibly generous person. And um, one thing I think about is um, listening. You know, if you've ever been the recipient of somebody who's generous, with their listening ability when you've had a problem. What a gift. Um, you know, last week Joel talked about forgiveness. You know, we can be generous in our forgiveness of other people and the wrongs that have been committed against us. Um, you know, all of us have a circle of friends, people that we spend time with. And um, whether it's a little circle or a big circle, we can always be willing to open up that circle to include other people in that um, our sphere of influence and Maybe it's somebody that's new to our church and doesn't know many people. We can always include other people into our world. Um, one of the things my daughter recently said was that she said, you know, Mom, I think our gen- my generation, what we need most from your generation is encouragement. And, uh, you know, I think that's really true. But I don't think it's just her generation. You know, I think all of us need encouragement. And, and that's where, you know, we can all be generous in our encouragement of other people. Uh, we can be encouragement, encouraging with our hugs 
Um, and one last thing, you know, sometimes with this generosity thing, what Tim and I have loved about these videos is that it just gives you ideas of things that you've never thought of. And one thing, I don't know how many of you shop at Aldi's, but at Aldi's you've got to have a quarter, you know, to get your grocery cart. I mean, you can be generous with a quarter. You know, you can, instead of taking your grocery cart back, you, if there's somebody else getting ready to go get a cart, you could just give them your cart. And it's like it costs you a quarter, but there's this neat little feeling that happens where the other person's like, oh, thanks, you know, and, and it, it feels good to you, you know. So there's, it's just limitless in how many different ways you can be generous. Yeah. So you have to pay to get a cart at Aldi? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have enough money to shop at Aldi then, I guess. The, the, the thing that uh, I'd add on to the, the time, talent, treasure elements of how we can be generous is just to consider where we are. And we, we all have the same amount of time, right, whether we live here or elsewhere or whatever. We've got the same amount of time. Probably talent, it, arguably it's hard to make a case that in terms of a whole group that we have more talent here than anywhere else else on the other side of the world. In terms of treasure, uh, to keep us kind of on the hook for financial giving, we don't get off the hook just because we can do other things. But in terms of treasure, we've kind of won the birth lottery by being born here in America. And so we're probably uniquely positioned in ways that people in other parts of the world aren't to be financially generous. And, And even then, I mean, Claire and I even approach that differently, how we go about that. So kind of back to the point, lots of ways to be generous financial and non-financial. Yeah. Well, I appreciate how you guys have brought that into a spiritual realm, too, where you talk about things like being generous and how you pray for others and encourage others and, and forgive others. That's a huge, huge way to approach generosity. So I'm grateful for you saying that. Now, Claire, you talked about your daughter a little bit and her saying one of the ways that, that their generation needs to be given generosity the most is an encouragement. How are some ways in your family, because I've gotten a chance to hear stories and witness firsthand your children They've become generous people in their lives. How are some ways that you can, for the parents in the room, can help model and teach generosity to your kids in a way that they hopefully become generous people uh, as they grow up? Well, uh, probably one thing that we put into practice, and it didn't start with us, it started with our parents, was... uh, the idea of preserving margin in your finances because you're going to give out of that. You're probably not going to give off your credit card balance or anything. <laughs> you're going to give off the margin that you have in your own finances. And, and that, you know, I remember we were youngest kids in our families. Our uh, parents were both products of the Great Depression, so that was kind of instilled very strongly. And I remember my dad saying many times as I was growing up, he says, you know, if I don't have cash for something, that means one thing. That means I don't need it. So preserving margin was something that we tried to pass along. That's good. Um, one of the things we did that uh, I'm sure a lot of you do too with our kids when they were little is we had the three jars. You know, we had the God jar, the um, spending jar, and the saving jar. And, um, and you know, everybody can decide what percentages go in those jars. But I think the important thing is that kids learn that money has a purpose. Um, recently I've learned how some people um, – they just think the purpose for money, if I get money, it's for uh, entertainment, it's for enjoyment, it's to spend on me, you know. And other people, maybe they grew up during the Depression, um, you know, you grew up thinking, you know, if you, if you got money, you save it. You know, that's what you do with it. But it's, it's just good to teach that healthy balance of, you know, there's multiple uses for, um, for money and how God, you know, wants us to, to do it. That's really good. Now, at the beginning, when you guys came up here, I mentioned that you have a connection with an organization called Generous Giving uh, that has helped prompt in your life some different things concerning generosity. 
Tell us a little bit about the organization and some of the things that they do or how maybe that's played into your life. I had one thing about kids. No. No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. Please. Gonna... I, I, skipped, I skipped you <laughs> wait, getting to respond. Wait, yeah, please talk. Uh, Tell us about that. Because one of the things that we've t- been talking about about kids really has to do with their habits okay. of, uh, you know, teaching them to preserve margin, having these jars and stuff. But there's another element that I thought was important, too, and that's dealing with their heart. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of habits and heart. And and specifically with our kids, uh, as they were growing up, one time we started talking to them about we need to do something to help the poor. And one of our kids said, Dad, we don't know anybody poorer than we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, uh, aside from being a little bit of a smart comment, that probably had some a little bit of... Uh, intelligence associated with it too that they could look around and see that their friends all had at least as much as they did maybe more when it came to to the toys that were important at that time and so we took an opportunity to uh, try to change their perspective just a bit and pull them out of a materialistic western culture and go on a family mission trip so we got to go kind of out in the sticks of Venezuela right on the Colombia Venezuela border and it's somewhere where, you know, what brand of tennis shoes you wore wasn't a life and death situation there. Yeah. It was uh, other things saw needs that were more raw and more prevalent. They got to spend time in people's homes there. And uh, Brian and our, our son Brian and uh, Hoel was the guy that he hung out with there in Venezuela. And they, they played and played over the 10 days we were there with his ball that had kind of uh, black electrical tape around the, I guess maybe once upon a time it had been a ball, but now it's just kind of this wad of electrical tape. And that was Hoel's most prized toy there. And upon leaving, he offered that to Brian as a gift to bring back. Wow. So Brian got to experience, you know, generosity, as Claire said, that you don't have to have lots of money to do yeah. it. You can you can do it in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that was meaningful, but not just the habits, but dealing with our kids' hearts. That's really good. You know, one of the things that we've seen as principals in our lives has been that the things that we reward usually get repeated. And so I think when it comes to generosity, one of the things that we've seen with our kids is that when we see them be generous in some way, we try to reward that. We try to say, man, great job, whether it's encouragement rewards or, hey, jump in the car, we're going to Sonic and get a slushie, you know, whatever that looks like. But they to see that there's there's a reward in that. And that's not just a catchy statement to say, well, the things that get re- rewarded get repeated. Jesus actually says that very same thing. In the end of Matthew uh, 6 there, he says, uh, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, so that there's this principle, this biblical principle of saying what, what when you're generous, when you give to others, your father rewards that. Uh, and so we've seen that play out. But I love what you're saying about getting out of your context to go somewhere else to let your children see what poverty really looks like and what some of those things really look like. I'll, I'll never forget the first time that I was put in that kind of situation. As a, a senior in high school, uh, our youth group went on a mission trip from Morristown to Reynosa, Mexico. And for the first time, I saw people who lived in a cardboard village, who lived with just scraps of whatever they could find was what they made their homes out of. And it was the first time in my young life uh, that I just went, wow, that's that's way different than the poverty I've experienced in East Tennessee. And there's incredible poverty around here. Earlier this morning, I mentioned that we're going to do the Parents Not Out to support uh, a ministry that we're in partnership with in Kentucky, in Middle Fork, Kentucky. Middle Fork is one of the most impoverished places in the United States of America. And it's within two hours of us. We go there multiple times a year to serve and do ministry. So great poverty is right here in our backyard. And yet, 
even in our Western mindset, there are still other things that we can go places and say to our kids, look, this is what abject poverty really looks like. And it's a game changer. I mean, it really is. It starts to make you look at things and say, man, I've got more than I ever dreamed that I had. Uh, and I can remember how much that changed me. So thank you for sharing that. Can I ask the question now about generous giving? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about that. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, about this ministry you're a part of with generous giving. Uh, generous giving, probably the, the easiest thing to focus in on is a uh, kind of a one-off small group situation that they offer that's called Journey of Generosity. And we've done a handful of those in the Tri-Cities. One of the more recent ones was with a decent-sized group of folks here from our church that we did last spring. And... What journey of generosity is, it's a, uh, it's probably the evening of one day, morning of the next day, maybe total about eight hours of a, a one-off small group situation where you look at uh, videos. You're kind of immersed in this idea of generosity and how is God, how might God lead me to be a more generous person. So you look at videos like the one we saw here, Miracle in Franklin. That's from the journey of generosity. And there's a rest of the story too. There's a, a rest of the story of Miracle in Franklin. So if you all get a chance to participate, uh, that'd be great if you could because it, it is a neat story, the folks that were involved there. But not just videos. There's uh, scriptural selections that you go through and discuss. There's uh, excerpts from books that you discuss. There's personal reflection time. And there's one of the most challenging things for me was you go through a list of questions that are, are quite pointed and get into the crevices of your heart in a way. And you're asked to ponder on a couple of those and then come back uh, to the group and, and tell what you, what you might have learned. So it, it's a, a one-off small group situation. The second thing I'd say about it, it's a safe situation. And by, by that, I mean a generous giving or anyone else isn't coming along behind this small group that's focused on generosity with a fundraiser. You're not going to get stuff, you know, two things a day in your mailbox about them wanting you to give because you can't give to them. They're uh, fully funded by the McClellan Foundation. So it's very safe. This is just you and God, what, whatever he may want to lead you to do. It's not uh, anything other than that. No fundraiser attached. It's very, for me, it's very refreshing, but yet very challenging. And I guess the last thing I'd say about it is just, it's called journey of generosity and focus a bit on that word journey. This is a lifetime path that you walk. This isn't a, a thing that you go to where they try to give you, here's five steps to being this and you've arrived and you don't just arrive. It's something that you walk across your life that you learn and grow in and uh, and we're all at different points on the journey. So yeah. somebody may be three, four, ten, fifteen miles ahead of where I am, but that doesn't negate that, that God can deal with me where I am and, and move me along, inch me along the path where I'm growing. That's good. Heather and I were able to do that journey of generosity this past spring with our elders and some other folks in the church, and it was fantastic. And he's right. It's not something It's not a pyramid scheme where at the end of it they're going to ask you for money or anything. They're just helping you learn what it means to be generous from a biblical standpoint. And so, uh, so if you get a chance to do that, I would encourage you to. And here's when you can potentially do that. A couple of things I want to make reference to uh, as it pertains to generosity in uh, in January, we do things here called a J-term where instead of doing community groups for one month, we all gather here at the church and we just do breakout classes and different things. 
One of the classes we're going to offer this year as we do some focusing on family issues uh, in J-Term, one of the things we're going to do is a financial fam- a fina- family finances class that Tim and Claire are going to help lead. And so if you have some things maybe that would pertain to your life where you just say, Man, I need help getting out of debt or I want to know how to better structure my finances or how do I do things to be generous and structure my my finances in a way that can honor God, uh, they're going to go through a lot of those different kinds of scenarios with you and do some family finances. Later in the spring, we're going to do one of the JOG, the Journey of Generosity, small groups, and we're going to offer that to people in our church. Uh, And so we'll let you know when those dates solidify, but we would love to have you participate in that and be included in that. And then the final thing that I want you to be aware of is at the end of January, uh, and we'll set a date, it may be the last Sunday in January, we're going to do a Generosity Sunday here at our church. And here's simply what that means. We're going to have a day where we're going to ask people to give a special offering. And every penny that comes in that Sunday morning, we're going to completely turn around and give away. We're going to find ministries to support. We're going to find people to support. We're going to find needs in our community. And every penny that's given on that Sunday, we're just going to turn around and hand it back out and make sure we're trying to take care of the needs of people that, uh, that we know in our, in our community. And so, uh, so we hope you'll start preparing and planning, even as you go through the holidays, that you start thinking about what can I do in January to give and to bless other people in that way. So that's coming up uh, at the end of January, and we hope that you'll engage with us in that. But thank you guys so much for sharing with us this morning. Can we give them a round of applause and just say thanks for their time? We appreciate you guys so much. And, uh, and in the last few minutes that we have here together, I just want to highlight a few things quickly. Max Licato once wrote, and I love this quote, where grace happens generosity happens. And so when I think about God and His grace that He's poured out on us, I just am always amazed at the fact that His grace extends so deeply. And because of His great grace, I have the opportunity to be generous in ways that I probably would not be were it not for that grace. That if I didn't know grace so extreme, that I wouldn't be willing to give and to do and to support other things and other people outside of that. But because grace exists, generosity exists. And where you find grace, you always find generosity. And so this morning, even, we took communion together. And we remembered the greatest act of grace that God has ever given to us. That His act of grace in giving His Son to save us from our sins eclipsed anything else that we could ever imagine. And in the middle of that, that God says, because of this grace, I want you to be liberal with the way that you live out your life the way that you look at your finances, the way that you spend your time, the things that you do to help other people. There's grace involved, so there should be generosity involved. And so this morning I want us to close by asking a a question. And this question is this, why should Christians be generous? And I want to give you four answers very quickly. Number one, why should Christians be generous? Number one, it reflects the heart of God. Christians should be, and I believe that we are, the most generous group of people on planet Earth. And yes, there are people that give millions and millions of dollars to things, and you may never have millions to give away. But as a collective, as a whole, I always just believe that God's people are the most generous people on planet Earth. That around this world, you're not going to find people anywhere more generous than Christians. And why is that true? Because we serve a God who's generous. So our giving, our generosity, reflects the heart of God. John 3.16 is one of the most memorable and most famous verses in all of the Bible. And John 3.16 simply says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That God is a generous God. 
I was having breakfast with my son, Josiah, uh, earlier this year in May. We were together, and I would take my boys out for breakfast every now and then, just one of them at a time, and just have some dad and son time. And we're sitting at Dunkin' Donuts, because that's where you go if you're a dad and a kid to go get breakfast. And we're sitting at Dunkin' Donuts, and we're eating donuts and, and uh, drinking juice and stuff. And, and uh, I pulled out my phone, and we do this daily thing where we use the Bible version app, uh, the Version Bible app, to read the verse of the day. And my kids and I will read the verse of the day and then just talk about the verse of the day. And on this day, the verse was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would never perish but have eternal life. And I read that to Josiah and he goes, Oh, Dad, I know that one. And I go, Oh, you do? And he goes, Yeah, that's one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. I said, Yeah, you're right. Why do you think that verse is so famous? And he thought about it for a second and he said, You know, I think because it's kind of like the whole Bible in one verse. I was just like, wow, man, that is exactly right. The entire Bible is a picture of God giving to His people, giving us a beautiful garden environment to live in in perfection with Him. And then we sinned, and what did He do? He paid for sin. He gave us His Son. He gave us a way to escape our sinful reality. And in the future context, what is God going to give us? He's going to give us eternal life. Everything in the Bible is past, present, and future is pointing to the fact that God is a generous God. And because God is generous and because there's grace in His generosity, we should be generous people. And so when you think about generosity, you say, you know what? Generosity is woven into the DNA of the Christian life. When you become a believer, I think that's one of the areas that God's going to start working in your heart. Is He's going to work to make you generous. Here's the second thing. Generosity changes our hearts and our minds. When you learn to be more generous and be generous toward people with time, talents, and treasures, I believe there's two things that happen. Number one is that our hearts become more open to the needs of others around us. We all of a sudden start seeing, wow, there are needs out there that I can meet. That God has a plan for me to do something to intervene in the life of other people. I loved in the video that we watched that this couple said, man, these people didn't know our need. They didn't know what we were planning, but God brought them into our life right at the right time. He didn't want us waiting for two or three more years to get out of debt. He had a child for us to adopt now, and He put somebody in our life right now to get us there. And so when we become believers in Christ, God starts to open our eyes and our minds, our hearts, to see the needs of other people around us. The second thing is our minds become more open to God's activity in the world. Then we start to look around us and say, God is moving all over this planet in the hearts and the lives of people, and maybe He's just waiting to do something through you as you're generous with your time, with your talents, or with your treasures. That God has a plan. That He's doing something all over this world. And He may want to use you. And so He's going to start opening your heart and your mind to see the needs of others around you and to move forward and meet those needs. Here's the third thing. The generosity opens the doors for the gospel. And this week, we've had an amazing opportunity to see that in play in our church. We're participating in Operation Christmas Child this week. And it's not just our church giving shoeboxes. We're a receiving center for dozens and dozens of churches and businesses all around this area who are bringing their boxes that they collect in their church or their organization to us. And we're boxing them in these large boxes over here. And they're going on tractor-trailer loads that are in our back parking lot that are two of them right now almost completely full. Another one coming tomorrow that we're going to fill up. And we're going to send all of those shoe boxes to Charlotte, North Carolina, where they're going to be shipped all over the world. We're anticipating this week that 22,000 shoe boxes will come through our church's doors to be distributed to kids all over the world. But guess what? 
That's a sliver of the 11.2 million shoeboxes that Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child are anticipating they'll receive this year. But here's what I love about this ministry. It's not just about handing a kid a shoebox and saying Merry Christmas. Every single time they do that, they also share the gospel with these kids and with their families. Guess what, church? That means that this year alone, because of our part in playing Operation Christmas Child, Santa Claus, we will get to participate in 11.2 million people hearing about Jesus. That's incredible. Generosity should always have a heart that says the point of my generosity is to share a bigger story with you. And so when you give, when you do things, when you go above and beyond to help someone, always remember that a part of what you should do is to make sure you invite Jesus into that. That you're able to say to somebody, why am I doing this for you? I just want you to know that it's because Jesus has lavishly shown grace to me and I want to show grace to you. And because Jesus is so good to me, I want you to know about Him. All of this is about Jesus. None of this is about us. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't do your public deeds in a way that everybody else looks around and goes, oh, great job. He goes, you do this because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's because of our Father and the gospel that He's given to us to bring His Son into this world and change our lives. So He says, when you do these gifts and these givings and these different kinds of things in generosity, do it quietly. And your Father, who sees, will reward you. And that leads us to the fourth thing. That in the middle of us telling other people about Christ, and whenever you're generous, ask yourself, How can my generosity open the door for me to tell someone about Jesus? Here's the last thing. Generosity is rewarded by God. Generosity is rewarded by God. And this is not one of those things that we're talking about, a health, wealth, and prosperity type gospel where we say, well, if you give extra thousands of dollars, God will bless you with a brand new car. You know, like that's not the way this works. I think that it's a refreshing kind of generosity that when we're generous, God blesses us in ways we can't even imagine. But here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 11.25 A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And So you can look at this and go, when Jesus said, whatever you do, you give in the secret place of the heart, and then you let God, who watches from heaven, He knows your secret acts, and He will reward you. That there's a blessing involved. And it may not happen in this life. It may happen in eternity. But there's a reward that's involved. There's a blessing involved for each of us. And so for Jesus to come along and tell us that the things that we do, that He will bless and refresh us. And then for us, and I said this earlier, that people repeat what's rewarded. Why does God do that? Because I think He wants us to continually say, do more. I'll replenish you. I'll refresh you. I'll be generous toward you so that you can continue to do more. And so God rewards, just like I as a parent reward my kids for the good things that they do, God rewards us with the good things that we do. And the reward is meant to help us repeat. And so every time we think about that, we understand that God rewards generosity because He wants us to continue to be generous. So here's how we're going to close the service this morning. In just a minute when we dismiss, you're going to head out these doors and we're going to have two two guys over here with big baskets. And on your way out... We're going to hand you money this morning. 
Yay, I came to church on the right day. It's only $5. But here's what we want to say. We hope that this small bit of money might prompt you as seed money or it might be what you use to take on an act of generosity this week. We would like to ask you to take $5 and say, what can I do with this to help someone else? Maybe you'll add $20 to that. Maybe you'll add $100 to that. Maybe you'll add $1,000 to that. I don't know where you are. But you're going to take $5, and our encouragement to you is going to be to say, do something this week to be generous to somebody else. Maybe you'll buy coffee for the person in line behind you at Starbucks. Maybe you'll be in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and you'll buy somebody's food behind you in the line. Whatever it is that you decide to do, maybe with $5 you'll add 50 and you'll say, you know what, the people behind me in the grocery line, before they even know it, I'm going to leave money here and I'm going to pay for them. I'm going to leave and when they get up to the front of the line, they're going to have their groceries paid for and it's going to be taken care of. So our question this morning is simply this. We have about 200 people that attend our church any given Sunday. We've got over 200 envelopes with $5 bills in them. What could 200 acts of generosity do to change our city? What could 200 acts of generosity this week do to impact Kingsport for the gospel? In the envelopes you're going to get, there's also a business card, and the business card just has our church times on it and some information about where we meet. If you would like to leave that, maybe you're going through the drive-thru and you pay for somebody behind you and you leave the card and just say, give this to the people behind you. It's paid for, but give it to them. And it'll tell them a little bit about our church. If you feel led to do that, that's fine. If you don't feel led to do that, that's fine. We're not trying to do this, again, for recognition. But it is a way that you can say, hey, here's a chance to let you know that Jesus loves you and that this was taken care of by somebody who loves Jesus. And so maybe you would use that and this week just take an opportunity to bless somebody. And so we hope this morning as you leave that you'll take an envelope and that you'll determine what you want to do. And this week, let's see what 200 acts of generosity can do in our city. We're so glad you've been here this morning. I love you, and I hope you have a great day. You're dismissed.